You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley. He's Gavin Phillips, and you are here to listen to the latest tech news that matters. Not who's bought what company. Hi, Elon Musk. We might come to him later. Um, but more along the lines of how you make the best use out of your technology. We've got tips and tricks, and then we'll end with some recommendations. Gavin, how are you? Very well, Christian. Yes, it's the uh, it's the Halloween season, as you, you know, and uh, apples have been bobbed and uh, donuts. <laughs> on string have been eaten without hands uh yeah it's been a good old time how about yourself mate uh, you've done halloween already uh we've been halloweening for the entire week leading up to this right. date we're recording on the 31st so we've been halloweening yep for a good week <laughs> that's uh that's 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 a bit nightmare before christmas isn't it really in yeah, terms I of halloween like actually... excitement yeah, it's, it's actually sort of morphing into a kind of Halloween-based Groundhog Day, actually. But, uh, <laughs> we're at the end of it now. <laughs> uh, my, well, it's the 31st today when we record this, so my children will um, be attending their dance school and then doing some uh, door-to-door knocking for sweets after that, which is um, they're not happy about. But that's the way oh. it's, that's the way it's, it's, um, it's going to uh, break down for them. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we um, we have a couple of uh, news items to talk about. Then we've got some tips and tricks how to make better use from your technology. Uh, then Gavin and myself both have a uh, recommendation, something you might want to try or buy or watch or enjoy or, you know, the thing. So before we kick off, um, or actually to kick off, I think we should probably um, wrap up the uh, ongoing saga of uh, um, non-aftershave salesman Elon Musk and his purchase of Twitter, which has completed. Uh, we've talked about this several times in previous shows. And I think the most interesting thing about this is X, isn't it? It's not just, it's not, you know, it's not people like Donald Trump or David Icke or anyone else who's been banned from Twitter. They're not the interesting things about this. The interesting thing, certainly from our point of view, is what is X and what's it all about? And why did he want Twitter in the first place? Now, uh, we've we've got a report make use of um, about X and Twitter has been um, big pardon the, the the purchase of Twitter has been uh, cited as part of his aims to buy X. Elon Musk has even said buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. I have to say I've never seen the word accelerant used in anything other than lighting fires, but there you go. Uh, Gavin, what is X? <laughs> what what does he want X to be? Um, so X is Elon Musk's vision of uh, what's called a, a super app um, or like an app full of other apps. Um, so in the Western world, we don't really have a proper go to super app at the moment, which is why Elon Musk is sort of uh, pursuing this idea. But um, certainly in China, uh, I know that they have at least two. WeChat is one of them. I think Baidu also runs their own sort of um, catch-all super app, which includes individual apps for like food ordering, finance, uh, chat services, um, all of the apps that you probably have individually on your phone 
rolled into one huge one uh and it's designed to basically you know keep you within their ecosystem uh and you know to someone like elon musk um and i'm guessing quite a lot of other you know tech people that sounds like a really good idea you know more engagement more people in a single app all the time and you know all the advertising and services uh monetized and taking a little snippet off the top of absolutely everything so uh you know super good for elon musk's wallet gavin do you remember teletext Oh, love the bit of teletext. Okay. So um, <laughs> if you're unaware of this, um, American listeners and Canadian listeners perhaps, um, there was a system in the UK called teletext, which was a kind of a, a hidden channel that you pressed with a remote control button on your TV. And via that, uh, you could search up pages and they would display various information. A little bit like using the web, only it was it was a bit blockier and the signal came through the TV aerial, through an analog TV aerial. Now, in France, they had a thing called Minitel, which was visi- visually very similar, only it did a lot of the things that Gavin's just described. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for example, make online purchases, make train reservations, check stock prices, search the telephone directory, you have a mailbox and chat. In a similar way, which is now made possible by the World Wide Web. And every time I hear about things like um, the WeChat and uh, Elon Musk's X, I'm not thinking, wow, this is an amazing new idea. I'm thinking to myself, this is just bringing all of the best parts of the web into one thing. And it's really like Minitel. <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Because for so many of us, uh, you know, I don't think, do, do people really want everything combined into a single app that, no, can't actually, then escape from. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I really don't. I think maybe if culturally that is how things have kept kicked off, as they have done in in China, um, with the internet, um, or the web in particular, I suppose. But where we've had, you know, in the West, kicking off since we'll say nineteen ninety five is that point where um, internet access started to gain critical mass. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, everything has been so disparate and barely linked. And also I think we have, are we not suspicious of things that are all in one? Because do we not think that when we bring things all in under one umbrella that something is going to suffer and something's going to be less good, you know, a portion of it's going to be less good than it should be? Well, I would agree. Um, and actually going on from the sort of under one roof thing, I feel uh, the way that it's come about in places like, China um it's a good tool for without getting super deep into politics because that's not what we're about but it's a useful tool for uh, countries like China that want to you know more closely analyze what their citizens are doing shall we say yes uh having all of that data within a single app that is operating under the you know the the, the guise of the Chinese government whereas you know we're quite lucky in the West. I'm not going to pretend that we aren't massively you know surveilled because we are but there's at least different ways you can get around it and you're not forced into using a single ecosystem where that becomes easier, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely, I agree. Uh, we'll leave that there. That's what X is. That's what Elon Musk bought Twitter for, whether it happens the way he wants it to and whether there will be the take-up um, are things that we will no doubt return to in the future. Uh, now, if you use a Samsung mobile device, uh, there are so many of them i'm not even going to start listing the models uh there is a new update coming and it is heading to galaxy s22 devices first 
and then other phones will follow. Um, Samsung's posted a schedule on its uh, forum for use in South Korea that runs to February 2023, which means you'll be getting, if you have a compatible phone, I'll come to that in a moment, uh, 40 devices will get Android 13 and the One UI version 5, that's the user interface, which doesn't look too different to m mainstream Android. And this is in addition to the S22 device that I've already mentioned. So uh, there is a lot of them. So if you've got, for instance, the Galaxy Z Flip Fold 4 or 3, Galaxy S21s even, Galaxy Note 20s, Galaxy Tab S8, Galaxy Z Fold 2, Galaxy S20 FE, I'm just picking them out here. There's a lot of them between now and February going to be updated to get the latest version of Android and, of course, the uh, One UI. Lucky people, really. Samsung's... Um, Update uh, support for older devices has been the uh, subject of uh, some uh, consternation for users over the past few years. I haven't had an update on mine uh, beyond the security update since uh, 2020, I think I'm right in saying. Certainly 2021. It's well, a Samsung shame. were one of the um, first companies, what they to say, actually, we're only going to deliver... Was it two two Android version updates or yeah. 80, 18 months or so of so whichever way around it was it basically worked out if it fell within a specific period you might get two if you're really lucky you might get yes. three <laughs> <laughs> um, but they still deliver security updates don't that's they? right it's yes not, it's, it's only the feature updates that don't happen yeah I mean it's it's fine in that you know they've made it very clear that's what's going to happen it's just always disappointing to see a rollout of a new uh, version of Android hitting it, especially when it's so difficult to unlock them as well and uh, do it yourself, that, you know, it just gets a little bit frustrating because, you know, they're really good tablets. My tablet, you know, it's it's almost like the fourth member of our team. It gets mentioned that much. And, um, you know, I love it. It's still perfectly good. It makes a great secondary PC in uh, those uh, occasional times when i need to activate uh the dex mode so i know i use it for reading on and uh, occasional gaming and emulation perfectly good tablet the fact that it doesn't get updates is a little bit frustrating but uh there you go that's uh, that's the way samsung do things so if you do have any of those devices uh look out for your update between now and uh february 2023 um Yeah, well done, uh, Samsung. <laughs> Let's pretend I pressed that button on purpose and move on to why would a neighbour try and steal your Wi-Fi and how can you secure it? Uh, now, it's very difficult to um, hide the fact that you have Wi-Fi because it's broadcast and, you know, if someone else walks along with a wireless device they can nine times out of ten unless you've got it hidden they will spot your ssid that's the name of your wi-fi network and attempt to connect to it and what can we do about this gavin there are a few things you can do um i mean the the most obvious one that everybody can do uh, and everybody should do is make sure you're using a a strong and unique password for your internet and that's uh you know the first step anybody should ever do is when they get their new shiny new Wi-Fi router, change the password on it because not enough people do that. No, absolutely. And although uh, I do think uh, default passwords have 
got better in previous years. It's not so much that it's now, you know, they don't send them out with, you know, password one, two, three, four, five or something. It does tend to be, you know, a mixture of A, B, C, one, two, three. Uh, and it's usually more than a few characters, but it's still, you know, not typically that strong. So you should definitely change your, your default password. There's a few other things you can do as well, though, if you think someone is already snooping on your Wi-Fi. Um, and one of them is actually checking your Wi-Fi router for an intruder. So you can access your Wi-Fi router. Your, your Wi-Fi router has a, a unique address. It'll be a numerical address, uh, typically uh, 192.168.01 or something like that. You should be able to find the specific number for this. Uh, it's called an IP address. I should mention that um, in your either in your Wi-Fi manual or you'd probably be able to look up your Wi-Fi router address on the internet. Just type the name and brand and it will give you the address. Once you log into your router, you'll be able to navigate to a page that says something like attached devices or device list or wireless devices, anything of that sort of nature. Uh, and it will show you all of the currently connected devices uh, on your network uh, connected to that specific router. So you can scroll through that list and have a little look and see which devices you recognize um, and which ones you don't because most devices communicate fairly clearly what they are called or, or they'll come with a name or you may have even assigned them a name yourself so for example with uh, my devices my phone I have a OnePlus Nord and if I go into my router settings I can see a OnePlus Nord connected and you know, I have an MSI laptop and I can see that is connected so if I saw that list and saw a random device on there that I didn't know, I could reasonably assume someone had somehow gained access to my internet, which um, at that point you can probably just, you can remove them from your network uh, or you can go and then change your password. That would be the next thing to do. Um, or just turn your Wi-Fi off completely for a while and hope they go away. Yeah. I've... Um... I've never really had any problem with this, although I did uh, once have concerns that it might happen. So I did that thing of uh, giving you SSID, a really uh, changing it to something kind of scary. Well, what did you go for? I said something like, I am a virus. <laughs> well, and people go for things like, um, you know, FBI surveillance fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... It can work, I think, but as you sort of said at the beginning, Christian, like your SSID is always broadcast. You can hide your your Wi-Fi name um, from broadcast. You don't have to broadcast it, but anyone that really wants to find it can. Like yeah. a Wi-Fi scanner will will still show it up. Yeah. Um, but in reality, if someone's that bothered about getting onto your Wi-Fi that they're using a specific Wi-Fi scanner to find it. Uh, it could be that they're more nefarious things going on anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just on the matter of uh, WPS, I've never found a use for Wi-Fi protected setup at all. I don't know why don't they include it. Used it. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it was meant to make connecting devices easier, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but as uh, in our article on, on makeusoft.com, um, 
it was susceptible to various vulnerabilities that made keeping it switch on actually make your your internet more more vulnerable and someone could way more easily access your internet um so something you know as happens so much in life doesn't it something that was meant to make something easier actually made it more dangerous <laughs> yep 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 it it happens sadly okay and we're going to skip on to now to a uh, interesting question if you're using Android Auto in your car, and increasingly people are as uh, cars are uh, renewed and they appear with a nice uh, new shiny touchscreen head units, Android Auto is a big part of that. You plug your phone in via USB and it then uh, essentially mirrors a hidden app because there's no real Android Auto app on Android anymore. It's kind of been updated into a kind of backroom sort of a thing, so you can't actually access it on your phone anymore. So uh, your, your, your car head unit will mirror this hidden app on your phone called Android Auto, and through that you can uh, access uh, your music player, your map, um, messaging services, which you can access through voice. Now, sometimes Android Auto disconnects without warning, Often, at the most frustrating times, uh, for instance, when you're lost or in the middle of a phone call. Um, now, before we, I continue this, if Android Auto does disconnect when you're driving and there's no one in the passenger seat to intervene and help you out here, um, you need to stay calm, look for a safe opportunity to exit the road that you're on, find a place to park and attempt to troubleshoot it. Yourself, with the engine... Or at least, if not the engine off, because you probably need it, at least, you know, your car parked properly. Uh, so, um, if it disconnects, you need to check that your car is actually Android Auto compatible. Sometimes um, I found that you can connect it up, it will appear to start, and then it will disconnect because there's some kind of incompatibility. Um, as I've related in this guide, my vehicle is a 2017 Citroen, and it did not have Android Auto enabled when I first bought it, okay? However, I connected it to charge. And then, whilst driving along, I, um, and this was, it was charging through the, um, the data, uh, data power port because I was using the power port for my uh, sat-nav. And while I was driving, I pressed the wrong button. And all of a sudden, Android Auto started this is after a service, so I suspect that the software was updated and Android Auto was uh, accidentally enabled because there's no labelled button in the car for it, which is kind of cool. It also works with the um, with the uh, iPhone one as well. Um, so yeah, check compatibility. Also ensure that Android Auto is updated on your phone and installed on your phone as well. Um, you need to ensure your USB cable and ports are clean. Because, uh, you know, a um, bit of dust and dirt in the ports can be a problem. And with cars, there's a lot of dirt floating around in there anyway. Uh, check your USB-C cable is connected and working correctly. Uh, if you suspect there's a problem with the USB cable, try it on another uh, device and uh, see how that works. You also need to check that Android Auto is correctly configured because it can uh, disconnect due to uh, misconfiguration. Uh, you can check this in App Management. Go to Settings, Apps, App Management, Find Android Auto, find additional settings in the app and there's a few things you can do to improve stability such as start android auto automatically set that to always and also start android auto while locked enable that also 
And uh, you can also ensure that the app is opening fresh and lively and ready to go by clearing the Android Auto Cache. That's still a thing that we need to do with Android apps, which is very frustrating. But uh, you go to Settings, Apps, App Management, tap Android Auto, tap Storage Usage, then tap Clear Cache. You may also want to tap Clear Data. And uh, finally, you may try it in a different car because it may just be an issue with that vehicle that is the problem uh gavin do you use android auto or the um apple one whose name escapes me at the moment uh you know what i don't use either because my car is um not of a sufficient year to use either of these uh apps uh in any way (gasps) particularly useful so i've actually got a quirk on uh my car in that the bluetooth connection is uh sort of it works in that you can make phone calls uh, and you can use voice commands and what have you, but there's no support for like an onboard display that would display apps and what have you. Right. So it's just, it's not a particularly old car either. It's 20, 2016. Right. right so it's, yeah. it's not like it's an ancient car. No. It's just the, the manufacturer, Vauxhall, um, from what I have read online, because uh, when I bought it, I was like, ha ha, nice new modern car. Mm. Um, and it wasn't to be, but it turns out, yes, Vauxhall, uh, the British manufacturer, had sort of um, done everyone a bit of a, a mischief there and uh, not installed the right software. So um, sad to be me, hey? <laughs> never mind, never mind. Um, there's nothing wrong with using a paper map. <laughs> We've reached that point of the show where we share a recommendation. This might be something that we've watched, something that we've played, something that we've bought, something that's happened to us. A good thing that's happened to us, presumably. And because you wouldn't recommend something bad, would you? In any sense. Gavin, who's going first, me or you? Uh, I can go first if you want. Okay, go on then. Kick off. Um, So this week, I have a board game. You know, I do like a board game. Uh, and I have bought recently a game called Super Club, okay. which is the football manager board game. Right? <gasps> so if you thought football manager was all about spreadsheets, no, no. You can bring those spreadsheets to your dining room table and it's wow. quite the experience. <laughs> uh, it is... Um, it takes a little bit of setting up, as you might expect. You know, you've got a maximum of four players. There are expansion packs available to take it to six. Uh, and you have to set the game up with your friends. So you go around and you pick a manager each. And then you've got to draft your players. Um, and then the game itself, once you kind of reach that point, the season sort of flows quite quickly. You take turns um, playing different teams and the idea is to become the ultimate super club manager Um, the players in the game uh, are all uh, fictitious they're all random uh, uh, but you can buy expansion packs for specific teams uh, and specific leagues so there's a there's a there's an ac milan pack there's a barcelona pack there's a, a manchester city pack and so on um and i i really enjoyed it i've only played it once uh a full playthrough took around two and a half to three hours so it's it's not a a quick quick game for sure but 
if you've got a few friends that would enjoy that sort of thing, it, it is a good laugh. It's very competitive as well. We find it quite competitive. Wow, that sounds awesome. Um, just to the right of me, which well, not now, it's in front of me because I got it out, is Brian Clough's Football Fortunes. Wow, that which, is a throwback. Yeah, <laughs> which is a board game with a computer game component. Basically, dice and calculating football matches and things. Whilst the board game has things like um, selection problems, sponsorship, manager's look, crisis. It's essentially Monopoly um in that respect and then you get player cards unfortunately the only player card that i have at the moment i don't know where all the others are this is an original this was mine when i was a kid it's played with my sister the only player card i have is paul sturrock who was a uh, scottish <laughs> footballer um and uh, the players in this game were rated out of five he was rated a three um it was really easy to cheat with this game you just basically um cheated on what you were inputting in terms of the strength of your team's lineup but you know where's the fun in that um so i'm delighted to learn of a new uh man- football management or soccer management uh tabletop game i i may check this one out myself yeah this is good fun uh i picked it up in a sale i must admit um that's what drew me to it but uh it is good fun i don't know if i'm gonna go the whole hog and get the uh six player expansion pack yet mainly because i don't know six people that would uh, necessarily <laughs> want to play it but um <laughs> it is worth it worth a look <laughs> okay uh now um staying with the topic of my interruption there uh my recommendation this week is um something i did with a raspberry pi uh, as it was a couple of weeks ago. Basically, I've got a Raspberry Pi for ev- I've got every generation of Raspberry Pi. Some, in some cases, I've got duplicates, which means I've got the original Raspberry Pi. And there isn't an awful lot of things that you can do with the original Raspberry Pi now, uh, in terms of uh, being efficient with it, because it's um, it is an old thing. It's ten years old. It's a low spec system to start with, and um, you know there are one or two things you could do. You could use it as uh, to network an old printer but I, I, and whilst that was a good idea in 2012 i don't think there are many old printers around these days that can't be networked however i found a new use for it and that is for running a bare metal emulator of an old computer platform the zx spectrum which is uh, big in the uk and europe not so big in the us and it works really well. So basically, this uh, emulator doesn't have an operating system underneath it. It's not like an operating system that boots and then the emulator boots on top of it. The emulator runs on the actual computer without a Linux operating system. And uh, Raspberry Pi use Linux um, for, for most things. And uh, this means things are latency-free, or almost no latency. And it w- works really, really well. It's the first time, basically, I've used felt like I'm using a ZX Spectrum in... Well, 35 years or so. I had really good fun doing it. And it runs on the original Raspberry Pi, which means if you've got one of those old things, and, you know, they sold a million, there's a lot of them about, and a lot of them are just put in the back of drawers or cupboards or whatever. It's perfect for this purpose. So, uh, yes, that's what I did. Bit of fun with it. There's an article I'll make use of uh, outlining how I did it, and it's ridiculously simple to do. It's easier than setting up a standard Raspberry Pi operating system. Loads of fun. Oh, that is good fun. Uh, I think things like the Raspberry Pi and the other other SBCs uh, are, are such a good way to keep 
some of this old the older technology alive when you know the actual hardware is increasingly difficult to find and actually increasingly difficult to get up and running with alongside you know modern tech uh, and it gives people a really handy easy option to to give it a go because it was such valuable stuff back in the day wasn't it yeah absolutely absolutely i completely agree with you um there are other uh bare metal emulators for the raspberry pi that i should probably mention and i'll try and include a link to this in the show notes as well uh, so uh amiga uh commodore 64 nez and game boy as well and apple too incredibly they all have bare metal emulators for the Raspberry Pi. So, yeah, there's loads of bare metal emulators for the Raspberry Pi that you should check out if that's what interests you. A bit of retro uh, computing or retro gaming. And that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast. We will be back for a new show soon with more tips, tricks, and tech news that matters. Oh, and some recommendations. Until then, it's bye from us. Bye.